All righty. Hi. Are we happy? Come on, I'm happy too. I'm literally my, you know, my first thought up here is I wish I could read my handwriting. Um, so, oh, Lord. We, uh, we come to you with just thanksgiving and gladness in our hearts tonight, saying that you are just so much better than we could have ever asked or imagined. <laughs> like, look, look what you do with our lives, God. Like, you change us from the inside out. You, you are marvelous. You are, you are wonderful. You are glorious. Your, your love. I, I just, I just never want to get just used to your love. I always just want more and more, God. So I ask, I ask tonight that we would just want more of your love. We just open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, and say, reveal Jesus to us tonight. Reveal Jesus to us. I, I pray for a fear of God to come. That we would just see how beautiful and holy and wonderful and mighty and glorious you are. I can't, you're just so good. You're so good. Yeah. I pray, God, that, uh, yeah, I've, I've been, uh, this, this has been a prayer I've been praying for a while. Is God reveal any and every unclean thing in me that I can't see because of my own pride? I give you permission, Holy Spirit, to be really honest with me. And I just give, we just let go of control and say, have your way in us tonight. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Wow. I think I'm going to preach tonight. Yeah. Feels good, you know, from being fully transparent these days, I don't really know what's going to happen. Um, yeah, you know, and you know, we can laugh. And it's probably easy for you to laugh. Um, but really just in all transparency, I'm in a season right now where, uh, uh, like the fear of God is in me and I don't want to get used to him. I don't want to like have any control. And I feel like the Lord's like inviting me into a place of dependence. Like he is. He's never had me in this kind of dependence before, at least in ministry and preaching and things like that ever since this summer when he just kind of made me a fool on stage. I, I just said, God, it's all you, you know, he, he just has slowly been unlayering like levels of control that I've had that I didn't know. And I've just, so I'm a work in progress. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Is that okay? Like we're all works in progress, you know, and, and I don't have it all together. I wish, like, honestly, I know you wouldn't think I would like anything polished, but I really wish that I could come to you with something polished. Um, but I'm just trying my best in this season to be obedient and say, God, like, 
if you need to make me a fool again, make me a fool, but I just want to be your mouthpiece. You know, because I, yeah, I think we really can get really familiar with him. And we can lose the fear of the Lord. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to say this, but I feel like we need this healthy fear. Like, I don't, not, not fear of like, oh, I'm going to feel shame, but like fear of like, I just, I want to, I want to love you the way that you deserve. Like, I want to love you the like, if I say like, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Like, I want to live a life worthy of the call. And I think because we all hang out together sometimes so much and we can just get really used to whatever the like current Christian standard is. And, and rather than allow him to shape and mold and guide every single thing about us. So there you go. <laughs> That's a good word. But I just, I believe what God is doing in our community and in our family right now is just absolutely wonderfully glorious. Uh, wow. What he is doing on Sundays when he's filling the room with his presence, uh, what he's doing through Journey to Wholeness and young adults and youth ministry, it's amazing. Like, it's incredible. And I've just been so caught up in awe and wonder that, that God chooses to increase himself amongst us. When we totally don't deserve it. Like, the thing is, is I actually don't even know if we're actually growing as a community. But what really, but the only thing that matters is God showing up more and more. Like, we actually probably didn't handle COVID really well, but Lord's not disciplining us. He's giving us more of him. The church has never been more divided, more blah, 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 blah. Yet God's like, I don't care. Here's my glory. Because it's not earned. It's because he loves us. He loves us so much. He loves us that he, when we gather, no matter if we're doing church right, if we're behaving right, he comes because he just loves us. And I think that we need to begin to realize when God fills the room with the glory, with his presence, he's teaching us something. And so like when we're having these moments in worship where we're just getting lost in wonder and awe, it's like he's not just wanting to make us feel good. I think what he's screaming over us is you're enough. I love you. You're such a knucklehead, but still let me just lavish you with love. You know, because like, come on, we're all knuckleheads. We all do crazy, stupid things and post stupid things on Facebook and stupid things on Instagram and watch shows that we shouldn't watch and talk to our spouses in ways that we shouldn't talk to our spouses. And he doesn't say, well, I'm going to withhold myself from you. He says, I'm just going to pour my glory on you because I love you. And you don't get to earn my love. 
And I believe what God is doing in this season is he's teaching us what it means to be worshipers. I think he's teaching us what it means to be a people who worship in spirit and truth. That he's teaching us that worship is so far beyond what takes place in a Sunday gathering. It's so much more than that. And, and I've just been reading, I've been reading my Bible a lot, which always feels really good. You know, it's like, I just love it when the word just is, you're just devouring the word and the word's devouring you. It's just like, oh man, it's like it's living and active. <laughs> Who would have ever thought, you know? <laughs> and so Jesus because this is what I think he's doing in us. He's teaching us what it means to worship in spirit and truth. And in John 4, 19 through 24, he's addressing uh, this, the Samaritan woman who has, five, has, has had five husbands and she's currently sleeping with the sixth dude and, and Jesus is tired from ministry and it's in the middle of the day and he's out at the well and he starts getting all these prophetic words for this lady and she's like, what in the world is going on? Who's this guy? He's saying this is, I'll give you living water, blah, blah, blah. It's like, what is happening? And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is for the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is a Samaritan woman buried in shame. And back in this day, the only place where people could worship were in temples. The Jews had their way of worshiping and the Samaritans had their way of worshiping. And Jesus is, is talking to this woman and she's like, what do you mean? Like living water, all this stuff and, and questioning what is worship supposed to look like? And Jesus looks at her and says, don't worry. It's not about where you're worshiping for there is going to be a day and an hour where the father is looking for worshipers that aren't so concerned about a gathering place, but are heart worshipers in spirit and in truth. Jesus is saying, I don't, I, there's going to be a day where you don't need to gather what, what the father is going to be looking for is people who are led by the Holy Spirit of the living God and live a life of worship, not just gathering in temples to worship. And this would have been complete and utter freedom for this lady because she would have never felt worthy to enter a temple. And Jesus is essentially looking at her and saying, you're the temple. That there's going to be a day and an hour where the Father is going to be looking for people like you. <laughs> Divorced five times. With a sixth husband, but hungry and willing to be searched. 
a heart that says, I just want to please this prophet. And what we see is this woman is the first woman who then goes and tells all the Samaria about Jesus. And she became a worshiper. Guided by the Holy Spirit, worship is a heart posture. Worship is a heart posture that says, I am going to be the oil poured out. I am going to be the oil poured out. And if you want me to love, I'll love. If you want me to serve, I'll serve. If you want me to dance, I'll dance. If you want me to sing, I'll sing. I'll do whatever you want me to do because he's looking for worship that isn't performance. He's looking for worship of authenticity that is only possible in the place of the spirit. You can dance all you want, but if your spirit is not connected with it, it's not worship. It's performance. You can sing every song you want. (laughs) You can sing worthy of it all. We could sing that song for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. But if that doesn't actually transform us to a place where we're living a life of worthy of it all, then it's not worship. And that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for hearts that are actually moved by his voice in the ordinary, mundane places. Say, will you be a worshiper? Is that good? It's my new way. I just write a lot of thoughts and say them. It used to be kind of polished, not anymore. I mean, that probably terrifies you that some of you thought that I that my perception of myself is I used to be polished. (laughs) Got really in my mind. I'm like, Carrie, literally right before I got up there, was reading my notes and she was like, that's just like you talk. So many exclamation marks. (laughs) You know? All caps, which, by the way, if everything's all caps, it's really hard to keep track. It's like really, really difficult. (laughs) Well, let's see if any of this is good. Yeah. Jesus says somewhere in the Gospels... I just forgot to write the reference down, okay? (laughs) Told you not to shame me. (laughs) These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Wow. He's looking for worshipers that don't worship in vain. He's looking for worshipers that worship no matter how hard the season gets. No matter how difficult, no matter how hard, he is looking for people that will go low. He is looking for people that it's not about the song that you're singing. It's about the heart that says, I know this sucks and I'm going to worship you anyways. He's looking for worshipers that in the workplace worship. He's looking for worshipers that treat their wife the way that if like God was watching how you treat your wife. This one gets me all the time. 
literally a few weeks ago, I led worship, sang these beautiful songs, and I get home and I say a sassy thing to my wife. I'm like, what? But like, loving my wife is worship in the kingdom. Like, loving others, serving others, going low is worship. And I feel like there's this idea that like worship is a song. And worship only belongs to Jesus. And the only way that I can worship, worship only belongs to Jesus. But sometimes I feel like the priority of our worship to Jesus is in song. Look, I'm a worship leader. I love singing to Jesus. But the truth is, singing to Jesus is easy. He's perfect. Like, he's holy. Like, loving Jesus through song is really not that difficult. I know for some of you it may be, but the truth is it's, like, not that hard to, like, sing songs to him. What's hard is when he looks and he says, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. (laughs) What you did to the least of these, you do to me. I feel like I'm supposed to read a lot of scripture. Is that okay? This week, these are just all the scriptures. Like, we just need to get in our head. And we can amen it, and I love the amens. Trust me, it's fantastic. I love amens. But amens don't mean anything if they don't, like, actually cut. Like, cut our hearts. Like, we get excited reading this, but I'm like, gosh... I don't want to ever walk by a hungry person again. John 13 says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 15, 9 through 17, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may overflow. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit... Any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. 
Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on a cross. Last one. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Our worship looks like loving one another. And as I was reading these scriptures this week, like my heart, I'm just going to be super honest, like super real. My, my heart was torn to shreds because we're really good at loving Jesus, but what Jesus is screaming down to us, love one another. A new command I give you, love one another. I mean, I literally everywhere I read in the Bible, if you like read your Bible, believe it or not, this is what it says, love one another. It's not complicated. It's becoming utterly selfless. And what made my week worse was this. <laughs> I was reading a church history book this week. And uh, that makes me sound a lot nerdier than I am. <laughs> and uh, as I was reading it, it was, really, it was talking about the first, second, third, and fourth century church is what I got through at least. And, in, and this is written from a socio sociologist perspective, a historian. I honestly, I don't even know if he's Christian. And he starts talking about how the, ch the early church grew at about a 3% three to five percent rate a year and throughout the early church what we know is that they were highly highly persecuted highly beaten they were tortured it was brutal right terrible terrible things and then in the year about 157 i believe it was in the roman empire there was a pandemic that broke out and uh this pandemic was what they think to be one of the first swine flus and uh, it was so bad, it wiped out within a, I think a 30 year span, 20 year span or something, it wiped out a nearly a, like third of the population. And they didn't have hygiene, they didn't have like 
real doctors back then. They didn't know like how this stuff was transmitted and what we found and what they found. So if somebody got sick, they literally didn't matter if it was your four-year-old kid, your grandma, your mom, your dad. If you got sick, you got thrown to the street to die. That's how they dealt with the pandemic. If you were sick, you were thrown to the street and left to die. And it was in the mid, and so they had one pandemic, and then a hundred years later, they had another pandemic. And this sociologist says one of the greatest markers of the growth of the early Christian church was because in a merciless culture, the church decided to show mercy in the midst of a pandemic. The church, oh! The church decided to show mercy in a culture that was merciless. And because of their mercy, the second time the pandemic came, the emperor of the time who would kill Christians started trying to tell all the pagans to be as charitable as the Christians because the Christians are living longer than everyone else and fewer Christians are getting sick and fewer Christians are dying because of their charity and mercy that they walked in. If that doesn't search you, I don't know what will. And I just feel from the Lord so strongly all week. I like was so angry, angry at myself, angry at how the church of Jesus in this world is not known for love at all. Yet we want our churches to grow and we want to like have influence and we want to see our city changed and we want to see God sit on the throne of like our country yet like we just had a perfect opportunity to show love and selfless love and mercy and it's like the church in America is the, the, has the least attendance than it ever has in the history of America. Barnard just came out with a study. The Church of Jesus has fewer people going than any time in U.S. church history. U.S. history. And the truth is, singing to Jesus is easy, but when our worship looks like loving other people, it's hard. It's hard because people can hurt us. It's hard to become selfless love because every time we walk in selfless love, we're opening up a very vulnerable place of our heart and there's this possibility that we may be hurt. Our worship is tested not in singing songs to Jesus. My worship is tested when the church doesn't look the way that I want it to look like. Worship is tested when I'm called to serve someone who thinks politically different than me, or is a member of the LGBTQ community, we desire control so much that we miss that every single one of these opportunities is an opportunity to step into love. 
And like, I want to have a highly revelatory sermon for you, but like, until we get this, like, I don't know what, like, some sermon on the third heaven is going to do, you know? Like, I just, it's what he wants for us. He wants for us to become selfless lovers. Like he wants us to go so deep and, and so in awe of worshiping him that he so changes us that all we want to do is pour it out on everybody else. And I'm really, I, I am done talking about COVID, I think, from, from here. I, I, I'm done talking about it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But trials and tribulations and difficulty reveal where we really are. And I feel like there's been this invitation for me and I think for our church, like I want this place to not be known for the awesome anointed things that happen on stage or in revival groups. Like I want, I desire, and I believe this church is to be known as a place of love. Like, I don't care if people come in and say, the worship was awesome. It's like, I talked to somebody the other day who's been going to our church for two years and no one has ever said hi to him. Wow, we got some work to do, people. Because even when we come to church, I think we don't even realize it's about us. Amen. Okay. Here's the good news. You want the good news? Um, this is good. This is like, this is juice. Like, this is spiritual juice. <laughs> Listen to what Jesus says. This is unbelievable. This is so juicy. I read it this week. I'm not even kidding. You're you all going to think I'm weird. Too late. As I was reading this this week, literally my mouth started just like the saliva. Because it's so good. Ha, huh. the thief comes only to still kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. There is a stupid enemy out there that is trying to rob you to make you the most selfish person you could possibly be. There is an enemy who's trying to make you afraid. There is an enemy that is trying to create division. There is an enemy that is trying to make you to take control of your life. There is an enemy who wants you to care more about a vaccine or more not about a vaccine. There is an enemy who's seeking to kill you. But he's dead and done. Jesus has risen from the dead. And the last time I checked, that means the devil has been defeated. And so this is a big, stupid waste of time for him to try and create division amongst us when Jesus is looking at us and saying, hey, there's an enemy who's going to try and kill you, but if you just look this way, abundance is on the other side. And the abundant life that Jesus is calling us to live in is following the way of the good shepherd. And what's the good shepherd? Jesus. 
do? He lays down his life for his sheep. If we want to grow the abundant life, this is so good. Oh, baby. The abundant life that Jesus has called us to live is following the path of the good shepherd of saying, I am laying down my life. Hey, enemy, you can come and steal, kill, and destroy and do anything you want. But as long as I follow the way of just laying down my life and serving every single person that comes my way and just becoming a radical lover where, you know, I think of others more highly than myself, then guess what's going to come? Abundance. Joy, fruitfulness, righteousness. But sometimes I think we wait for an encounter so long and God's like, I'm here. Grow in selflessness. And the reason it's abundance is because if I can become a servant to you, I'm free of you. If I become a servant I no longer am looking for you to meet my needs. I'm operating from a place of who I know I already am, so I'm not looking to you to tell me who I am. That sounds like a life of joy, where your joy isn't dependent on your fixation with people. But instead, it's like through trials and tribulations. I don't care if you spit in my face. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go low. I'm going to go slow. And I'm going to serve you. Selfless love is the pathway to abundance because it has no stipulations. (laughs) Or rationale. It doesn't make sense. There's no reason I should love my enemy. Like rationally. But it's what he says. So we do it, amen? And when we walk in selfless love, we begin to experience freedom and abundance because it adamantly opposes the idea of consumption and leads to abounding life. I'm no longer looking for other people to meet my needs, but I'm operating from a place that my needs are already met. And so because I know that my needs are met, I'm going to worship him by loving you. Even if you don't give me anything back, I look for nothing in return. Amen. Okay. Let's get practical. Does that sound good? How do we actually grow in selfless love? This isn't a new message for anyone, right? I'm preaching to myself. Like, I'm still so selfish and I want to grow. But there are a couple things where I feel like the Lord has taught me a lot practically in how to grow in selfless love. And the first one starts with this scripture. It's Romans 15, 5 through 6. It says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus Christ had. Wait, you got to listen to that again. Open your ears. May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus to us. And when he reveals Jesus inside of others, we are actually getting the attitude of the mind of Christ and seeing others the way that Jesus made them. 
And one of the things that I try and do with my life, and I really do, is I try with every single room that I walk in, I try and see Jesus in every single person. Because if I can see Jesus, if I can have the mind of Jesus, then my automatic response is going to be completely in awe of who these people are. That's why I'm so, honest to God, people ask me, how are you always joyful? One of the big gifts the Lord has given me is he's been, he's given me eyes to see people for who they are in him. And because I'm able to see people, and you are too, you're able to see people, your friends, your wife, your coworkers, the way that Jesus sees them, and your response is going to be absolute wonder. Because every single person next to you is amazing. They're incredible. They're, they're glorious and wonderful and beautiful. And actually, when you get to see who somebody else is through the lens, through the eyes of Jesus, your response is going to want to be able to serve them. And it actually begins to activate your spiritual gifts because your gifts aren't meant for you. Your gifts are meant for the other. And so if I can see who Jesus created you to be, it activates how I'm supposed to serve you because I want to serve Jesus. And so I got to look for the Jesus in you. So whenever... Sorry. <laughs> I'm saying this to my wife. Whenever she's driving me crazy. Because she's quiet and introverted. And like wants to sit on the couch. And I'm like, let's go have fun. I'm like, okay. Okay. She's the peaceful nature of Jesus. I'm not kidding you. It changes everything. It changes everything. Someone really close in my life, closer than any of you could probably know, came out as gay in one of the hardest times of my life. And uh, I literally was so mad because <laughs> it hurt me. And I heard the Lord say, how do I see them? And God gave me the attitude of mind towards this person. And honestly, I just have love in my heart. Like I, like I really do. It's not made up. It's real. Because when you can see who people are in Jesus, it's just you got to take your eyes off yourself. Like your gift's not for you. Your prophetic, if your prophetic gift is to make you feel good about yourself, you have missed it. It's to love others. And I just, I long for this house to be a house that when people walk into church, they feel seen and known and loved because we as a community are looking with the eyes of Jesus who reveals the mind of Christ and begins to see the gold in every single person. 
I can't tell you how many conflicts in my life have been completely just gone away because somebody was really ticking me off. And I just said, Jesus, give me your mind for them. Let me see who you created them to be. And then you serve them. How awesome is that? Is that good? Okay, so this is what we're going to do. That's your practical. Yoke yourself to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus. So he's going to reveal Jesus inside of others, and you're going to bless their socks off. This week, you're going you're to have the most selfless week you've ever had in your life. This week, you're going to give yourself to love. This week, it's not about you. It's about your wife. It's about your friends. It's about the person you're sitting next to. This week, it's not about you. It's about worshiping Jesus by loving others. Let's challenge ourselves to be the most radically generous people on the face of this earth. It's not about you. It's about others. And that's worship to Jesus. And so tonight for ministry time, what we're going to do is we aren't going to have you, the ministry team, you got the night off. We're not going to have people come up for prayer. I want you to think about somebody in this room and ask them, what, how does Jesus see them? And before you leave, you have to go tell them what Jesus sees in them. And honor them, serve them, do whatever you need to do. But I'm like, you know what? You can come up here. Lord, help every need. Everyone that wanted to come up, get healing. Heal them in Jesus' name. You can do it. Every prophetic word that everybody wants for them. Like, here's your prophetic word. God loves you. Like, everyone that needs to confess sin, great. You're forgiven. Like... Okay, everyone who wants to keep worshiping, great. Ask God how to love somebody else. Amen? All right, let's stand up. It's one of my best sermons ever. <laughs> Jackie, Jackie preached last, last night at, or yesterday morning at young adults group, and she just got up there and just blew like a cannon. I was like, oh, I like that. I want to do that tomorrow. <laughs> just so hurt, fired me up. Lord Jesus, make us the most selfless, loving people on the face of planet Earth. I pray, God, that historians are writing about us someday, that in the midst of a selfish culture, that there was a people who became selfless. In the midst of a, <laughs> a culture that desires control, that desires all these crazy, stupid things, that the church of Jesus Christ became a church of humility. And that is what led to the revival. The revival that came wasn't because great new worship songs were happening. The revival came because of people hum humbled themselves under the mighty hands of God and in a merciless culture became merciful. And the church of Jesus Christ chose mercy instead of judgment. And the church of Jesus Christ, instead of looking to be served, became servants. God, put a fear of the Lord inside of us to please you and to honor you and worship you in spirit and in truth. 
So we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I want to see conversations happening. Love somebody. Yeah, this is slightly controlling, you know, but whatever. It's awesome. When Jordan calls you up for an altar call, you all come up. So just look at somebody and tell them how Jesus sees them.